0: Now that we are starting to get back, we have to, as an athletic administrator, work within the confines of our community and encourage people to come out and support our young men and young women. Education-based athletics is, as I've often always said, it's the greatest dropout prevention program that's available within a school system.
1: Hey everybody, this is Pat Cohan with the 80 Insider Podcast. Today I'm gonna take you inside our most recent 80 Insider Live Thursday 30 episode where we interviewed Phil Rising. Associate Executive Director, of the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. In this episode, we discussed new administrator roles that aren't going away, what to do about school and state budget issues, and building an administrator resume that stands out. Before we dive into these topics, we do want to thank the NIAA for all that they do and let everyone listening know that the NIAA is providing summer webinars for athletic administrators who want to knock out some of their professional development needs over the next few months. If you're interested in learning more about these opportunities, go to members.niAAA.org. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this AD Insider podcast. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks, Patrick. It's great to be here, and
0: it's great to have uh, so many of our colleagues on here with us.
1: A lot of familiar names, and we have some, a lot of questions to get to, so I'm going to dive right in. I mean, we're on Zoom right now, and it's safe to say that before the pandemic, virtual meetings weren't really a role or a part of the day-to-day of a uh, athletic administrator. So besides that example, what are other components of the athletic administrator role that are probably forever changed?
0: I think uh, the first thing, and, and again, you know, not being a practicing AD, as some would say, sitting in the ivory tower, per se, and I don't like that term, but in, in my colleagues, working with my colleagues throughout the country, I think the one thing right now that's really in the forefront is digital ticketing, contactless ticketing to where money, money from that standpoint doesn't exchange hands personally. And so I think di- digital ticketing is something that our colleagues are, are working with and going to be utilizing going forward. And it's going to become more prevalent as we move forward into uh, the future.
1: There's numerous providers for this. Is it as simple as just signing on with one of them and now you're doing digital ticketing? Or are some schools or areas doing it better than others? Or are there ways to maximize the value from digital ticketing?
0: Well, with any product, there's always usually, you know, you always got to look at that uh, hidden fee or that hidden cost. And there is with digital ticketing, uh, you know, being uh, being a purchaser of some digital ticketing this year through some interscholastic events, you will see that fee that is tacked on that original ticket price and whatever. So as an athletic administrator, all of our colleagues are going to seek and seek out and try to negotiate or communicate and work with the individual companies that are out there. Uh, to see what that fee is. I would encourage them to be aware of that because uh, ultimately what ultimately ends up happening is, is when the consumer gets that fee, that fee is tacked on and maybe they're not aware of that or whatever, then immediately they, they become a consumer that maybe might uh, form a complaint. So you've got to be ready for that and know what that fee is as it's tacked on. And, and again, us at the NIAA, we have a partnership with Ticket Spicket, but as you mentioned, there are so many others out there And within the local regions of the country and whatever, there are others meeting those needs for our interscholastic athletic programs.
1: And I want to kind of engage the audience here. We have over 100 people watching this live in the chat. Could you put in the uh, maybe if you are doing digital ticketing, any advice do you have? to somebody that is yet to purchase a digital ticketing provider. We don't need you to put the actual brands in there. It's not what the purpose of this. The purpose is finding out what questions to ask when you're in the pre-sale process. Like Phil just mentioned, you know, there's hidden fees. So uh, that would be a really good question. I know seating charts is something that we've heard on this show before. So uh, if you are using digital ticketing, please use that chat to help others who may have not. And if you aren't using it yet, but in the, your questions, you have 100-plus ADs uh, here to help you out. So there you go. Uh, Roger Dixon saying, hey, refunds on game cancellations is a factor. So let's use that chat to help uh, people kind of learn more about that piece of it. Bill, any other aspect? Of, well, of-
0: yeah, I think, you know, the, the sanitation component or the cleanliness component, the hygiene component, as we work with that through our athletic administrators, I think it's twofold. It's twofold in the fact within our locker rooms, within our student athletes, within our team areas, within our student athletes. And then with that third party spectator, dealing with the stands, dealing with the the entryways as you come in and and the restroom facilities and those type of facilities as we come back to normal play. And then the other component, Patrick, is concession stands. When you start talking about dealing with the food and the way in which you, you know, you uh, carry that food to the point of, getting it to the attendee that is uh, purchasing that and then the training that is taking place within that and then so you, we're dealing with all of that i think as consumers within um within the commerce of the united states we are seeing cha- things change that is contactless and and i know for us as we prepare for denver we are talking about those things for example just a banquet in itself Will it be a banquet to where you actually are play served plated food anymore? So those are things that are coming out uh, in the forefront as we have dealt with as we have dealt with the past pandemic. So uh, I think that is one thing, and then I, the second component that to me is medical in the sense the medical training from the standpoint. Athletic trainers. I've always been a great proponent of athletic trainers. They're needed. We should have them. And it's hard for some of our communities within our rural areas to afford that maybe within the scope of their budget. They end up formulating partnerships with maybe some hospitals or some some healthcare uh, agencies and whatever. I think the need for a student, uh, for a trainer, an athletic trainer to be a part of our our team, a part of our staff is vital as we move forward.
1: Now, are there resources available uh, that an athletic director could bring to a superintendent or principal to say, hey, here's the stats on, or here's the, the, the pamphlet or the lead behind that this percentage of schools have athletic trainers for these reasons. Like, is there that type of resource out there so that the person who doesn't have them can bring it to their higher ups and say, this is just not okay. It's not okay to have, to not have an athletic trainer.
0: Well, I'm going to refer, you know, when I, when I reference to that, I, I would encourage all of us to work within our states because everything's going to be state driven in the sense of with the DOE. We do do not have any national data that I know of, you know, and just in quoting the University of Wisconsin, their their recent study on the mental health prospect and dealing with that. That to me is evidence alone in the fact of the need for not only in the mental health, but also in the, the care health that is needed for our student athletes. Um, I'm sure there is data out there, but Patrick, I couldn't uh, quote a source of that. And somebody in our group might have.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Hey, you no. need to have all this. <laughs> no, just,
0: and, and I think that's great. And and I do think this, the great thing about the niaa is that, and, and you know, uh, I, I don't want to call people out, but I know several of our colleagues have networked during this whole process. You know, you talked about Zoom. Prior to, November, uh, prior to March the 13th, we now use it as a tool for networking to where we can share ideas, exchange ideas within our colleagues, within our region, within our conference, within our state. And na- nationally, we've got uh, some of our colleagues have been offering pandemic news. You've got state presidents that are that have been collaborating together, a sharing of ideas. And that's what's so great about the fact of the United AAA and the state associations is the opportunity to network within like-minded individuals who to pardon this a little bit really are not in it about winning and losing but are in it about the student athlete and the athlete first and making sure that we're developing the whole student as a person to be a better citizen for us moving forward.
1: Absolutely now another piece you know this podcast or this uh live show uh is put on by huddle the nfhs network is another provider of this streaming that's something that's been as a conversation has blown up i think i've talked about streaming probably more than anything else on this show um but i I think the question that that comes back to is how do we balance the in-game experience while also providing you know the accessibility of the games to the community members at home that's a
0: great question and and thanks for asking that. And, and, and I'm going to say this as a grand as a grandparent, boy, it's awesome for me to be able to stream in and to be able to watch an event or whatever. My, my concern would be the balance of, you know, to me, interscholastic athletics is community. And when you have community, that means the fact that we are, as a community, meeting at a, at a venue to participate in the lives of student athletes as they participate in extracurricular activities. And so when you look at that situation, how do we balance that to where we don't just stay at home? Because it's easy to stay at home. It's easy to stay at home in front of my computer and to sit there and to watch that event. But to be an active participant, I need to be there to be engaged, to be in the lives of that. And so for me, I look at it as we move forward. How am I as an athletic administrator balancing that to the point to where I'm making sure that we are getting getting community members to come out and to support our young men. And, and I, I'll reference the fact, that I think uh, you and I were talking the other day and we were talking about the Braves and the Phillies. And this past weekend, the Braves had a full game. And, and I, I was listening, driving into work one morning, one of the Phillies players talking about it, He said, there wasn't anybody in there for us, but he said it was awesome. He said it was awesome to be able to play, and he said it charged us, it motivated us, and it encouraged us. And so I think for our student-athletes, that's the same thing. And, and Carissa, I saw where she released something the other day on National Federation. One of her uh, publications came out and talking about get out and support. Now that we are starting to get back, we have to, as an athletic administrator, work within the confines of our community and encourage people to come out and to support our young men and young women as they participate in extracurricular activities and education-based.
1: Well, and sports weren't always on TV. Like you could go back to where basketball, there was a big issue with basketball being part of public television when it first came out. They thought the same thing. People aren't going to come, but now Paghan in Alaska can watch LeBron James, and now I'm a fan. I buy jersey. So there is an aspect, if you do it well, and I'm not saying I have the answer to this, but if you can tell the stories and showcase athletes to a wider audience on streaming, there's an opportunity to actually drive more traffic to in-game. If you can sell the experience and the need, I want to do that. I want to be out there and be in person for the big game, right? Maybe not the not the game that... You win by 30, but as the season goes on and people start seeing more and more or have access to the teams more and more, they want to go to the big game uh, because that story's been told. That's it's kind funny. of like the Olympics. Like For some reason, I'm into bobsledding during the Olympics because of the stories that they tell around that sport that you never watch any other time. So I think there's something there, uh, but yeah, I don't have there's an, an ed- educa-
0: There's an educational component to that. And from the standpoint of you can have your own broadcasting department being able to work within the confines of that. And and again, you talk about that marketing concept and that marketing component. That's outstanding. Uh, Again, for an athletic administrator, depending on how many irons in the fire they have and maybe what other duties they're responsible for. That's something you really got to think about as you move forward in, in dealing with
1: streaming as we as we move forward out of this post pandemic. We got a lot of good information put in the chat. I do want to say, hey, Joey, you're, you're, you just put in a great uh, plug here, uh, but you, your settings only to panelists, so only I saw that. Sorry about that. Uh, looks like Doug Kilgore answered a question about the uh, percentages of athletic trainers. So Arkansas numbers are 28% have immediate access to athletic trainers. So, uh, and then uh, Gary Stevens up here later on in the chat said, in 2019 there was a national athletic t- Trainers Association study conducted that said 34% of public and and private high schools in the United States do not have access to uh, athletic trainers. So there's, um, again, make sure to be looking at that chat. Looks like Joey got his uh, link in there about another streaming opportunity. Um, So I'm going to leave that there for you. And I want to go into kind of our next portion of all this. All of these ideas or all of these changes cost money. There's, Athletic trainers, there's a, there's a fee to that. The streaming, there's a fee to that. The facility adjustments, digital ticketing, those are all subscriptions or fees that add to the budget. From where you sit at the national uh, level and your ivory tower, as you didn't like it called, um, what do you think budgets are going to be like in 2022?
0: Well, that's a that's a question that I'm sure right now a lot of school districts are trying to answer and work with through their budget uh, processing uh, planning committees. And so, you know, hopefully the impact has been minimal. I know through uh, maybe some stimulus money, maybe some of the uh, state associations, uh, the state school districts and whatever have been able to pass some of that stimulus money down to the schools. Uh, but uh, anytime we deal with a crisis and whatever, understand when cuts have to be made, usually what the first cut is, is one of the most important concepts, which would be education based athletics, because it's easy to cut that. It's easy to reduce that. It's easy to call your athletic administrator in and say, uh, your budget has been cut 20%. Uh, your budget has been cut X number percent because the simple fact is, is we're going to, you know, money is, is. Uh, difficult at this time. So as we move forward, our hope is through maybe some of the stimulus programs that the government has has, uh, allowed that our public educations and private schools are getting the benefit of some of that money that will help offset maybe that. If not, again, the greatest thing about education-based athletics is, as I've often always said, it's the greatest dropout prevention program that's available within a school system. When you think about, when you look at two to three to four percent of the money that you spend in the overall budget based on education-based athletics and the return that you get on that, there's no such the reo on that is unbelievable. So when you think about that and you think about the lives that are impacted, then to me it's an easy sell. But as you can tell, I'm very passionate. So as an athletic administrator, our athletic administrators and they and I am so proud. I am so proud of our profession. Because the simple fact is, is during this time when someone needed to step up, when someone needed to advocate, when someone needed to encourage, that's been our athletic administrators. When someone needed to lead, that has been them who has been in the forefront reaching out to try to get our programs going back again because our athletic administrators understood the need for that participation for not only our student athletes, but for our community and whatever. And I, we all understand there's risk. There's risk to be, that is inherent. And we assume that risk, but there's ways to mitigate that as well. And we have been working, all of our states have been working to mitigate that. So Patrick, I meant to, to kind of bring that forward a little bit, you know, and I was, I was thinking the other day on, on my treadmill, it could be a concern, but it could also be a positive because right. maybe we've had some of our leaders, our superintendents, our school boards to see you take something away and immediately you start to realize, wow, how I, I want to go to a game. I want to go get a box of popcorn. I want to go, you know, and so we start thinking about that. So hopefully maybe that that crisis that has occurred, there's been a, a reemphasizing of the fact of the value of our education based programs.
1: And I would like, you mentioned state by state uh, in the work that's being done. I'd like everybody who's on here to put what's going on in your state, if there's any information about education budget cuts, just so we can kind of get more of a collective uh, contribution to that question. Following up, Phil, put yourself back into the AD's chair, you know, back behind the desk. And if you were in this economy, would you personally spend your entire budget, max it out, Or would you save and cut back until the budget improves? I
0: think for me, I I manage conservatively in the sense of with the money. Uh, And the thing about it is, is that I think um, you go into a you go into a season maybe with the sense of you don't maybe understand uh, what could happen or impact. And I'll give you it could take just a a rainy night on a Friday night football game that you're depending on to have a good gate or whatever that could impact your budget. So you could take some of your games that you look at when you look at your schedule, athletic directors are no different than coaches. We look at our schedules and we say, oh, we could have a good crowd here. We could have a good crowd here. This is a rivalry. We can have a great game here. I maybe got to have extra security. I need to think about this. We plan accordingly. And so when you look at that, for me, I think I go into the season contingency. I think uh, for athletic administrators, we've always tried to emphasize in 511, building a contingency where you have a fund there to where if you have that uh, uneventful Friday night to where you don't get the great gate receipts, maybe you're anticipating, you're able to offset that a little bit because you've built a contingency. So I think for me personally, you asked me, I would probably go in a little bit in the sense uh, kind of being conservative and not going forward, but I will, also the most important thing is making sure we take care of our students, making sure we're offering safe uh, opportunities for them with the proper equipment in the proper environment and whatever. So there are certain things that you uh, have to be non-negotiables when it comes to protecting our students.
1: Now, Everybody on this call knows what goes into the athletic director's role, knows the value that they provide and going back to the student athletes. How do you help the superintendent or principal see that? Like for you, if you were to go into a meeting and ask for, you know, do you give your case for why athletics needs the 2% budget and not cut it back by X percentage? You know, are you giving physical leave behinds? Are you giving them statistics? Like what I just want to see what kind of salesperson you are, because I feel like it's a salesperson that needs to keep sports going. I think you,
0: you know, it's, it goes back to the Grant Taft philosophy, I believe. If you don't believe in what you're doing and don't believe in the value of the impact your programs can have, then you can't sell it. You first have to believe in it. Uh, I think the, the Federation with the case for athletics, the, the um, article that they put together, primarily, and I think they updated it several years ago and whatever. It is a, is a great resource for us to share with our leaders, uh, our budget people as we move forward. I think it is absolutely, it has some great information in it. It talks about it from all the different perspectives that can impact. And at the end of the day, uh, again, it's, it's not about the W's and the L's. In some areas it might be, and and in some sports it might be, but at the end of the day, it's about making sure that we're offering opportunities for our students to grow, to grow as an individual and as a person. And research indicates and has shown us that those that participate in student athletics, primarily they're, they're better citizens, they're better, they have better health habits, so they cost us less than healthcare, they're better employees, and overall, they just make a more productive and better uh, citizen within our, our country. And so you know, there are a lot of different things there. Uh, I never had to sell it because I, had, I was fortunate enough I worked for people that believed it as well. Right. But I think sometimes as we move forward down this road or whatever, there might be some that put the value of, you know, maybe a test score or whatever. And those are important, too. Academics are important. I think for me, it's always balance. We have to find that balance to work. And we've been dealing with that for the, since March, trying to find that balance of being able to just not being in front of the screen, but being able to get out and participate.
1: I'm going to ask this question for you and everybody uh, watching live. Who in your, this is personal. So what AD do you think sold it? the best in your experience, you know, just, you heard them talk about it, maybe in a presentation or in a meeting, like, wow, this man or woman is phenomenal at communicating the purpose and the effect of athletics.
0: Well, I think for me two come to mind, and I think it's because of their involvement in social media, mm-hmm. they get, you know, and, and, and that's where we see it. There are so many things you can do graphically now with social media uh, Gary Stevens has been uh, reaching out primarily throughout the country with him and Jay Hammes. Uh, Becky Moran has done a fabulous job in promoting the value of that. Uh, Scott Garvis, I mean, his graphics and the way he does social, you know, I wish I had that skill. I don't. Uh, Isn't I would that have to funny have though?
1: To- that, <laughs> that's, that's what is getting communicated. Like we don't listen to people anymore. We look at their graphics or their 180 characters. Like I think that's, wild like abraham lincoln's speeches were historic and legendary but they were long like they were long and we're we're saying people are good because of they have a cool graphic or 180 characters is pretty you know pretty witty or pretty cunning well and and the thing
0: about it is is once you can get the hook you get them hooked then at that point you know whenever i see a pop or a post or whatever immediately i'm looking at and again i my my I'm a novice when it comes to social media. You know, I know just as my, as my mother would say, I know just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. But the, the thing about it is, is what I'm seeing is, is as we move forward, that's another ingredient of marketing and communicating within the community to promote students, to promote our teams, and to promote our programs and to, to build community spirit and pride.
1: Yeah. And you have an interesting perspective because you get to interact and network with so many great leaders. Um, and, then, and I do want to kind of transition into learning more about these summer learning opportunities. Uh, so if you could explain those more, because I know that, that even for me, not even being an AD, but getting to meet so many on Zoom and get to talk to them through the content that we do, I I still thirst for actual in-person connecting with people. So uh, I know that this summer learning opportunities aren't in-person, but what can one get out of um, putting themselves into these? Well, I think first of all, you got to get involved within your state. If
0: you want to be active, you have to network within your state. You have to build that resume within your state. At the NIAA, we want to be your, your, your stop for certification and for leadership training. We want you to come here and build your resume by being a part of our 52 leadership training courses or by, by getting involved in being a certified, a national certified athletic administrator. And the great thing about that, Patrick, is, is we're accredited. Our, our certification is certified through the National Certification Commission. And so that immediately has teeth and value whenever you put that on a resume Uh, When you say CAA, CMAA, you know, RAA, RIA or CIA and you look at those, then you know there's a standard that that athletic administrator has agreed to a standard of best practices. The most important thing we can do and the most important thing that happened to me was networking with my colleagues. When I network with my colleagues, number one, I become better because they make me better and they challenge me to be better. And in turn, I hope I'm giving back to them. And so for any young athletic administrator, first of all, I don't ever want to paint the fact that it's a, it's a, a rose colored garden job. There's a lot of hard work and you have to roll up your sleeves and you've got to, but here's the thing about it is I know this, it's one of the most rewarding jobs that you can be involved with because the return on that investment as we talked about is building something for the future. And again, I'll I'll kind of close with the fact and the fact with our webinars, we offer that. I personally personally am a big fan of face-to-face teaching because number one, I get the opportunity to network a whole lot differently. But also I think right now what we've been forced to do, all of us have learned to grow and it's been a great time of growth for our athletic administrators because they've utilized all these resources. So hopefully what we're going to see moving forward is we're going to be able to put it back as the athletic director maybe has stepped back a little bit from those personal meetings and maybe done some training themselves or whatever. We're going to see that put into practice moving forward and the impact is going to be positively for our coaches and for our kids. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, I think we have to model, we have to model it for our coaches, so by modeling it for our coaches, we also need to have our coaches involved with the National Federation learn and have them and challenge them to be AIC or CIC certified, because that way that's another level in which we're showing that professional development is a key component for our job in order for us to be better.
1: Yeah, I think about that resume and I think about you know whether it's a superintendent or principal, whoever's hiring the athletic director, And if they don't have one of those accreditations connected to them, um, they're up against the stat of the athletic director turnover is three to five years average. And somebody that's put in time to get a CMAA or CAA has already invested time into the career. And, you know, just going back to our social media conversation, no one puts Twitter follower count on their resume. Like, that's not something. But it's funny that that's our conversation. Somebody that's really good is somebody really good on these social media platforms. But at the end of the day, in terms of getting that job, it's probably these certifications that will give you the leg up. Just that that was an outsider's view as we were kind of going through social media and then certifications. What are some other things that you can put on a resume that you think stick out besides the certification? Say I'm a CMAA or CAA. I have done that work but things that you've seen that, man, that's special.
0: Well, I think for me, one of the things was uh, it was valuable for me to model for my coaches. So I wanted to be AIC or CIC certified to show them that I support the fact that we're going to be professional development driven. We're going to have a growth mindset. I think other things when you attend workshops or you go to any other training, educational related, it's all very applicable to what we do. Because at the end of the day, it's still teaching and learning. Whenever we're working with our students and working with our coaches, it's teaching and learning. It's teaching and learning for us. So I think anything in which we can obtain in order to become better, whether that would be a certification related to security, whether that would be a certification related to some type of medical uh, training whether that's aed first aid whatever any of those components show a level of growth that you want to be better and you want to be able to challenge your staff to be the best they can be
1: what are you doing currently to challenge yourself like this it could be a book it could be anything what something phil's kind of interested in on the professional development la- space personally i'm an avid
0: reader so i love to read and currently okay. right now i'm, I'm just finishing a, uh, the Mark Batterson book, Win the Day. And uh, I like it. It's challenged me in the fact of my thought process. If uh, if And usually if you get a good book, uh, you, it's hard to put it down. Yeah. Uh, so I'm an avid reader. I love to read. I love to be challenged. Uh, I love for my thought process to be challenged. I want it to be challenged because then it's it's tried and it's tested if it's challenged. I have to believe what I believe because of the simple fact is that's important for me to communicate that message. And and I I, I don't mind telling you, and you've heard me tell you before, I think this is the greatest profession there is. And it's the hardest working profession. And I'm so proud again of what what has been accomplished and attained. And, and as we go into this summer break, as we complete these spring seasons and you got to understand some of our athletic administrators right now have seasons on top of seasons. Yeah. So they're working right now, you know. And so you think about that and you're going, oh, my goodness. And yeah. so when you think about that, I'm hoping that we can get through a summer of normalcy where they can rest and relax and reflect a little bit and hopefully recharge as we come back into that new year. But, you know, the thing about an athletic director is they usually get about a week off. yeah, Because then they start thinking about what we got to do next. And uh, so for me, I think growth, professional growth is important. And there's a lot of ways you can get that. Uh, listening to, a, I don't mind telling, music moves me. I've told my <laughs> boss all the time, music moves me. I like good music. Yep. And so I think we have to find those things that challenge us.
1: And um, we have to continue to have a growth mindset. That's awesome. And I do want to ask, I love, I love book rec- recommendations. So anybody else on the chat as we're closing up here, what are you reading right now? Uh, that might be helpful for the rest of the, the group on here. Still have over 100 people watching. Um, got some people in the chat saying, hey, just signed up for summer webinars. Thanks, Phil. Excellent stuff. Um, I also want to address Casey um, Radzinski has a, has a question about officials and what states are doing about the decline. We did an episode last week with the National uh, Association for, for Sports Officials, and I put that... Link in the, the Q&A section, but I'll also put it here in the chat. For anybody that's interested in that topic in particular, they did a phenomenal job of the current state of what's going on and the resources that are available, whether through NFHS or the NASO. So, case and I'll,
0: add to, I'll add to that, Patrick. I really, Barry did a great job, but Mark, from his perspective as a state association executive director in leading Michigan and him as an official
1: himself, I thought his insight was outstanding. Mark Ewell is one of the best officials out there and it just so happens he's a state activities director as well. So it's just kind of funny how that worked out. Got a lot of good suggestions in the chat. I kind of want to keep that open for just another couple seconds for people to scroll through. We will provide all the links in the replay of this. So if this episode uh, is something you want to share with other athletic administrators or your coaches, it will be available tomorrow. Everybody that registered will get the link emailed to them and, uh, Hey, there's a shout out for the Thursday 30. Thanks, Holly. Appreciate that. So, thanks everybody for joining us. Please join us next week, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern. And really enjoyed the time, Phil. And hope we can do it again because this was. Thank you, Patrick. You definitely have the energy and the passion for the industry, and uh, that no wonder you're at the helm uh, in the ivory tower, as you say.
0: I'm not an ivory tower. Is uh, uh, the great thing about it is, is being able to be on here with all of our colleagues and working together collaboratively to make it better than we found
1: it. That's a good way to leave it. Thanks, everybody. Take care and have a great rest of your day. And thank you for listening. We're here to provide access to experts and educators in the field of athletic administration, but this is your podcast too. So please let us know what you'd like to hear next by reaching out to us on social media or on our website, athleticdirectorinsider.com.